You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. So the gospel tells us, the gospel writers tell us that Christmas, with all of its brightness and happiness and all of its joy that we enjoy, uh, you know, that you get at Bush Gardens and, you know, and what did you get at Colonial Williamsburg first night? The gospel writers tell us the part that we don't like to hear very much. I mean, I, I don't particularly like it because it's not as particularly joyful, but it tells us that Christmas, Christmas actually begins in darkness. There's a crazy king that rules over Jerusalem. What's his name? Herod. And he has privilege with Rome. He has position in Jerusalem, and he has power over the Jews. Privilege with Rome, position in Jerusalem, power over the Jews. And he wants to keep all of it. He goes by this name Herod, but not just Herod. It's Herod what? The Great. It's Herod the Great. And like all people of privilege, position, and power, his most pressing concern is to keep it all. He wants to remain great. And there's nothing kings like less than the threat of another king. And Herod, wanting to remain great, gives in to the darkness and hears that there's another king that is coming and sets out to early on defeat the king. Because according to his own tradition and religion and his scripture, this king is the actual king that could take his power. And so there's a darkness in the world at Christmas. And it forces Joseph, Mary, and the Christ child to travel in the cover of darkness and seek asylum in Egypt. After Joseph receives a word from the angel, and in the words of Matthew's gospel says, get up, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt. They weren't going on vacation. And stay there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child and kill him. And so before the arrival of God in the world, in Christ, the world was lost in darkness. And it's why the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 9 verse 1, we read it earlier, nonetheless those who were in distress won't be exhausted. Listen to that again. Sometimes the darkness is exhausting. Those who were in distress won't be exhausted. At an earlier time, God cursed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but later he glorified the way of the sea, the far side of the Jordan, and the Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a pitch dark land, light has dawned. The prophet speaks of a world that sounds much like our own, one covered in darkness, the darkness of fear, anxiety, and violence. We sit here comfortable in our chairs, but y'all, two-thirds of the world sits in an entirely different state of being. Our brothers and sisters all across the world sit in an entirely different state of being. The fear and anxiety and the violence. And Isaiah 8.22 says that all the people of Judah see this distress and darkness and gloom of affliction and so uncertain of where to turn, the way the text reads, uncertain of where to turn, they look for help, but in all the wrong places. So they begin to look for help in false gods, in the dead. They look for help in political leaders. Read it, Isaiah 8, 19-20. Read that, that would be helpful. They're looking for help in political leaders. And overwhelmed by the darkness that covers them, people look to anything or anyone 
for light and for hope. That's the story of Christmas. And so Isaiah imaginatively proposes a time when this great light would dawn on the way of the sea, quote-unquote, that runs through Galilee. And with this great light, a nation would grow, celebrate as if a harvest had come, the rod of oppression would be lifted, all military gear would be burned as fuel for fire. With this great light, the land would be filled with hope and peace and joy, while oppression and war would no longer exist. The great light would come, and Isaiah would say, in the birth of a child is when the light would break through. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, a government will rest on his shoulders, the prophet says. And so in the midst of the darkness, Advent announcement happens. The announcement of the Christ child, announcing that the fortunes of Israel and Judah will turn on the birth of this child, and so will the whole earth. It begins in the dark. A great light has dawned. And the question that you and I get to answer for four weeks, we get to settle in if we just do this. And man, I just wish, I hope we do this. So we get to spend time as a church asking ourselves the question, do we believe it? Do we really believe in hope? Like, Do we believe and long for hope and peace and joy and love? Do we believe it's possible? And to answer that question, we have to ask, do we long for it? Because the Jewish and Christian story tells us that there's a longing that nags every one of us. And there's something going on inside of us that longs for things to be all right, to be okay. And what if we feel that way because that's the way the world is? It is incomplete. And we at times feel the weight of that incompleteness. Things are not all right. And we are not all right. At least not yet. And what if the sense of longing for things to be made all right, what if the sense of longing to be okay is rooted in the reality that that's what it means for us to be made in the image of God? Like what if the sense of longing that stirs within us comes from our being made in God's image that that is (coughs) excuse me in itself a sign of god within us that the longing for things to be all right is the evidence of god within us that something went terribly wrong and there is darkness and things are not okay and there's a longing that confirms it as it reminds us that we are waiting everybody say waiting that we're waiting on something And the fact of the matter is, we don't do well with waiting. We don't like the silence. We don't like having to sit with it. There's a longing within us that confirms that there is God within us reminding us We are waiting on something to make everything right. And the thing that I think about in Advent is what if this longing is a gift? Like what if this longing is meant to point us to the story of Advent, but we're so rushed to get to December 25th. We're so rushed to hit Cyber Monday deals, coming off of Black Friday deals, and small business Saturday deals. Lord, like when's it going to end? 
that we're running and rustling and rushing to get everything ready for family to come or getting ourselves simply ready for family to come or going to family. And we're trying to get all the gifts situated and all the, all the promises met, all the hopes met. We're, we're in a hurry. And Advent becomes the counter-narrative. Say counter-narrative. The counter-narrative to that narrative. To the narrative of hurriedness and busyness and want. Advent comes into a counter-narrative and says, slow down and wait and be. Be a human being rather than a human doing. Like, What if the longing is a gift so that we will see that it's not a longing for something to make everything right, but someone. There's a longing for things to be made right in the world and in you. There's a longing that invites us to name reality what it is, both within the world within us. What if Advent becomes the time where we can actually confront our own sin and our own doubt and our own fear and our own anxiety? Like, think about it. Because every week we gather, we're going to light these candles. And for those of you, for some of you who didn't grow up in this tradition, some of you just look at this as a thing to do, but then you're missing it, man. You're missing the beauty of this right here. This is beauty. It is beauty because it's it symbolizes something. The early churches always had symbols. Always had symbols. Baptism. Always had symbols. Eucharist. Always had symbols. Prayer postures. Always had symbols in order to realign and tune in the heart and the mind to the story. And I know that in our tradition, many of us didn't grow up with a Christian calendar even. So our lives are literally set by the American calendar, losing the beauty of what this could be. This is gift. This is gift because we light this candle. We take time. We pause the whole gathering. We extend it out to say there is hope in the world. And this little bitty light flickers while we gather. The whole time, this light remains constant. Everything in the gathering changes except for this light. In every gathering, we light another light and another light to remind us that as we grow and as we go, the light of Christ builds within us but only as we're willing to name the things that hold us down and keep us in the darkness. So what if Advent can become a time where we acknowledge that the world is jacked up, that everything is broken, but that it won't have the final word because Christ is coming is coming again. What if Advent becomes the time where we can face the darkness that's within us because we recognize the darkness that's within the world. That we don't have to hide from it. We don't have to act like everything's going all right. Because the Christian story already tells us it is not all right right now. It is being made, say being made. It is being made all right, but it is not fully all right. We can remember that no matter how dark the dark seems, there's a light within us. Because where I am, Christ is. I just need to learn to look, to patiently wait for Him to do as He promised and let the longing linger. Listen, and let the longing linger and not try to resolve it for ourselves. You follow me? The thing you really want let me ask you something. What do you want? Remember how Jesus asked the disciples that? What do you want? What do you really want? Whatever it is. They're the things we know we should want, things we don't know we should want, know we shouldn't want, but we want it anyway. 
What do you want? The longing that we feel that comes from being made in God's image is a summons, it's a command to slow down, to listen deeply, and to ask, what do I want? Maybe to ask, what if I don't get what I want? Can I handle it? How can I quiet my soul? How can I deal with the unfulfilled hopes, pain? How can I know the difference between the permanent desires and the impermanent desires? See, because what we'll discover if we ask these questions, stay with me. If we start asking the questions of what do we really want, we'll start separating the permanent desires from the impermanent desires. The Spirit will start helping us discern that. And we'll find that the permanent desire is to be known and to be loved to give of ourselves, to have a purpose, they are there to remind us that Christ has come. I think it is why Jesus said, and we shared it with the kiddos, I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. There is a reason that Isaiah told us that this light would be named Wonderful Counselor. Say Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Eternal Father. Prince of Peace. I think there's a reason why he names it. I think there's a reason why Isaiah names him. Mighty God, because he knows you. You are known. In a world that seeks for attention and likes and shares and glam and body image, you are known. The mighty God knows you. The eternal Father loves you. In a world where fathers leave, mothers leave. In a world where parents pass, the eternal Father does not. You are loved. The wonderful counselor, he is the wonderful counselor that leads us, counsels us, guides us into purpose, guides us into a place, guides us into our purpose in a world that is being remade and renewed. We are courageous. We are brave. We can give of ourselves because we are already filled with hope. We, we just have to learn to listen to the longing. See, Advent for me becomes a season of hope. And hope is not seeing the world as it is and longing for how we believe it should be. Hope is seeing the world as it is, and longing for how we believe it will be. Because Christ has come, and is coming again. See, in the same way, hope is not seeing ourselves as we are and longing for how we believe we should be. We shouldn't be anxious. We shouldn't be hurried. We shouldn't be exhausted. We shouldn't be tired. But we are. We shouldn't be hurried. We shouldn't be busy. We shouldn't want that or this, but we do. See, hope is seeing ourselves as we are and longing for how God says we will be. In a world with 
sin sick with judging, complaining, and dealing out contempt, and pointing the finger, and dehumanizing others. Advent, we are reminded that we're children of light, and hope, and peace, and joy, and love, and we rest in the good news that the light has dawned, and the darkness is passing away. And that what God has commanded, he has the power to grant. You ever thought about that? What God has commanded, he has the power to grant. If he's commanded us to be a people of hope, which he has, he has the power to make it possible. If he commands us to be a people of peace, and he has, he has the power to make it possible. If he commands us to be a people of joy and love, and, and he does, then he has the power to make it possible. And the power can be as tiny as a flicker, but that is enough to scatter the dark. So I want to give you a practice for Advent this season. It's, a, it's an acronym because that's what preachers do. Um, but it spells a word that, that, that I find interesting. It's, it's NIWL, N-I-W-L. Say NIWL. N-I-W-L, NIWL, is a Welsh word because I speak Welsh, y'all. It means fog, mist. And for me, that's what Advent is like. It's not dark anymore, right? Because Christ has come, but it's kind of foggy. You with me? Yeah, yeah. It's Neil. And so I want to give you some practices that you can spell with the word Neil. The letter N. Name it. I want you to name the longing inside of you. I want to invite you over this next four weeks to name the longing. Like, what is it? What is nagging at you? Are the darkness inside of you? Are the exhaustion? I want to invite you to spend this four weeks naming it. Don't be afraid. Like, don't be afraid. Like, whatever it is you've been running from, some of us, Whatever it is we're holding on to, some of us, I want to invite you during this season to name it. In. Name it. I. Remember because Neil spelled N-I-W-L. Don't lose that. I think it's kind of clever. Because it means fog. Did I tell you that already? Yeah. I invite. Invite Jesus into it. Look, either we believe it or not. Either we believe that Jesus can come into these things or we don't. And so what I'm asking you to do, what I'm asking you to consider is to name it and then invite Jesus into the thing. My anxiety or my worry. Jesus, be in this. Now here's what I'm asking you not to do. Don't ask Jesus to resolve it. Don't ask Jesus to take care of it. He doesn't always do that and you know that. Advent is about waiting. But ask Him to be in it. Come, Make yourself known to me, long-expected King Jesus. That's the prayer. Name it and then invite Him into it. Ask Him to reveal Himself in the middle of it. And here's the thing. you got to do the W then because Neil is spelled N-I-W-L. Did I tell you that already? W, you gotta, you got to then watch. Say watch. you got to watch. Here's what we can't do. And here's what we do. We, 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 can't, we can't do what we do at church. We can't come to a service. We can't have a moment and then have like a spiritual pep rally and then have this thing and expect to go back to life as normal. I'm 
begging you as a brother in Christ, as a pastor, to let Advent be some sort of reboot, some sort of shift in you. Go to bed early so you wake up a little earlier. I don't know, go to bed later so you can have some time before you go to bed. Do what you got to do, but name it, invite Jesus into it, and then watch. Watch. Look at all the signs. Be hypervigilant. Be hypervigilant. Watch to see if Jesus will come into that thing. Just do it. Like either we, don't, either we believe it or we don't. Uh, see, here's the problem. Why is it that we don't always do this? Why are, we, why are we often afraid to believe in the possibilities? Why? Because we're afraid they won't come true. Which in and of itself is a dark. That's why I'm saying don't ask for Jesus to resolve it. Ask Him to what? To be present in it. Come, make yourself known to me, long-expected King Jesus. Teach me what it means for you to reign as King in this. And then listen. That's the L. Listen. Listen to the sermons, listen to the scripture, listen to the prayers, listen to the, to the playlist, listen to the songs, listen to the brother or sister across from you. Listen. Listen to the small, still voice inside of your heart. Listen to the Holy Spirit who still does speak, who points us to scripture, who speaks to us in, in profound, mystical ways, who speaks to us through other people. Listen and see what Jesus has to say. Name it. Invite Jesus into it. Watch. And listen, the darkness will turn to fog. The fog may just scatter into light. But Jesus will be present. And every week we gather, we'll light this candle, and we'll remember. We are a people of Advent. We're people of hope. Be a person of hope. I've come to learn that when it comes to faith, that if we have low expectations, we have low disappointments. But if we have high expectations, we have the possibility of high disappointments. I'm asking, during this season, that if you're willing to reorganize your calendar, to have the high expectations, that you can name the darkness. You can invite Christ into it. Not to resolve it, but to linger with you in it. You can watch for Him to reveal Himself and listen to what He says and what He teaches you through it and because of it. So I invite you. Aaron has created an Advent packet for every family, kids. Take it. Do the crafts. Get the candles. If you don't have kiddos, light the candles. Go somewhere today. Find three purple candles and a pink candle and a white candle and set it up in a circle. Do what the bargers did on the crafts and get jars and decorate them and Label them hope and 
peace and joy and love and Christ, put them in a circle and put little votives in there with the colors and light them every night before you go to bed or even every morning when you wake up. But let Advent be a season and a rhythm of new practices. Already know you're going to be busy. Like already know that you're going to run behind and that you're going to be busy. When Ian gets so flustered with me because we're going to be late for school, he always wants to cut our time with God short. We don't. Now, he can do that because he's going to school. Now, he still gets in trouble, but I'm, that's on me. I mean, i got to wake up earlier, get him up earlier, right? Like, this is, this is a part of the deal. What can you do to name it, to invite Christ into it, to watch for his presence and to listen to what he has to say? What can you do to make space for that in your life? over this season. Find whatever works. Maybe what you do is you take the Advent prayers that are in that packet or that we pray here this morning or that you're going to have in the worship guide and you commit them to memory as you drive to work. Maybe you just change what you already do. Maybe you can't add anything to your day and that's fine. But maybe you just reboot how you already do what you do. So instead of listening to the radio, you pray a prayer. Instead of listening to the radio, maybe you... Try to memorize the Scripture. There are many different apps you can use. Maybe you choose to listen to the Spotify playlist. Introduce yourself to music that you don't normally like. Because it goes with the theme of what we're doing together as a family. I don't know. But either way, embrace the kneel. Right, right? Embrace the fog. Name it. Invite Jesus into it. Watch and listen. Trust that He will. Give yourself to the Christian New Year. That is the invitation. You're listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast.